to another episode of Leads to Deals. Leads to Deals. All right, guys, another Leads to Deals podcast. I am super excited about one of our guests. It's a dear friend of mine now. I've got to know her over the past number of months. She is the CEO of The Nimble Agent. She is a rock star agency owner. She's been so successful. She now coaches other agency owners on how to get up to about a 60% closing rate. She's a six-digit entrepreneur monthly making it happen. Welcome to our show, Kara McMaster. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome, Kara. Uh, so to put things into perspective, you're here with me in Pineda, Colombia, right? See. Si. But you're from? Canada. What part? Uh, I'm originally from Toronto, but I live in a little ski town now called Collingwood. Collingwood. Okay, very good. Mm -hmm. So, but your clients are primarily US-based clients? They are. Yeah. Okay. I love so give that dollar exchange. Okay. <laughs> give us a rundown of what it is that the Nimble Agent does. Yeah, so we primarily work with realtors who want to increase the number of transactions that they do purely through digital marketing campaigns. What I absolutely love about digital marketing is that we have a true understanding of what it costs to acquire a client. Once we understand that, it's just scaling to the moon and outspending the rest of your competition. Cool. Even though I have a large call center here, which obviously you've seen over the past few days, my forte and passion is actually digital media, digital marketing. I love it. I had a sales experience before I had marketing experience and my first foray was into PPC. So I love digital media. For you, were you, do you consider yourself more sales, entrepreneur, marketing? Like what is your kind of forte? I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty lucky to have both sides right. of it. I'm, I'm a very creative people person, but I love digging down into the numbers and I do consider myself an integrator, an operations person. So I love using both sides of that. Brand. Yeah, you definitely have quite the personality to kind of drive the conversation and I can see why you're a closer for sure, for sure. Thank you. Um, so, all right, cool. So the Nimble Agent, you're helping real estate agents find leads that are qualified who want to do listings, correct? As, yeah, as well as we do branding and social media content. Yeah, your social media game's on point. I love it. Okay, cool. So I guess let's put things back a little bit. How we first met, mm -hmm. we met through a mutual acquaintance, Esteban Andrade. He's the owner of another firm called Hustle Media. Are you guys in like competitive markets? Are you sister, complimentary? Like how'd you meet him and what's your guys kind of journey there? So we met through a similar program that we did where we were trying to both scale our agencies. Um, and funny enough, Esteban, I feel like, was courting me for a while to become a business partner of his, but we were not competing because he works with wholesalers and I work with real estate agents. And we would often have that type of people come on and you know, we have the same conversation where this isn't my forte, but I have a partner company that you can work with and we've been referring each other business ever since. You think it's tougher working with real estate agents than it is, uh, you know, so I'm also in a similar vertical, but I'm mainly wholesalers and investors at this current juncture. Do you think it's tougher? Because I never really liked the prospect of having to work with realtors in general. It's very, very different and incredibly different because a wholesaler has a very entrepreneurial mindset. They're go-getters, they're closers, they get the job done. Real estate agents often get into the business because somebody told them that they'd be good at selling houses, not understanding that that person was likely being compensated to get them into the business. Oh, wow. So they don't always come in with the mindset of learning a sales process. And when they come over to us, they generally have grown their business through a sphere of influence, through referrals. So they come to us thinking that they're really good at sales, where there's a lot of education that has to happen with that realtor teaching them. How do you take a lead of somebody who clicked on an ad online and getting them to do the biggest transaction of their life with someone that they've never worked with before? 
Yeah, it's so crazy. That's what we talk about here. It's like, we're cold calling people. We have this large call center and it's amazing because you're calling somebody out of the blue. And then between a 15 minute conversation on the qualifying of the leads, which obviously takes sales skills and building rapport. And then it goes to what we call our closers. And just to think that in a one call close, somebody has sold their home for hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars. Like that takes true sales skills and acumen. And I think that a lot of, uh, at least wholesalers, if you've been in that space for six to nine months and you've fed your family from wholesaling, you have either gained or you had sales skills going into it. On the realtor side, I love the fact that there's, it's, it's so many in the pool. Um, and one of the things I think they have a really unique job once they get the contract, sometimes they can either put in sales effort or not. Mm -hmm. And the ones who do are the ones who also get more and more and more contracts. But I feel like there's a thing in the real estate industry where they don't follow up as much with the lead as you, I find the wholesalers and investors out there. So do you see that as well too? Like you'll send them leads, beautiful leads, and they call once and like, oh, they must not be interested. They didn't answer. It's the number one conversation that my client success managers are having on a daily basis with our realtors. So they often haven't properly been trained of what it takes to do follow-up. How do we do follow-up? Oh. It's not just always calling up the lead and going, hey, are you ready to sell your house yet? So it's that tact, tactful tact, tact yeah. that we need to use in order to, how do we check up? How do we keep good notes? And finding other various ways to follow up. So through various text messages, emails, retargeting, sending, you know, dropping off CMAs at their house. There's different little touch points that we really have to train them on how to get the deal done. And I think that some realtors are gonna be in a little bit of a rude awakening in the next 12 to 18 months because they've had it so insanely good over the last couple of years that we're really gonna see a weeding out of who are the top guys who know how to have proper communication and a good sales process and who are the guys that probably should have been in the business in the first place. Ooh, that's a great way of putting it. So people who are out there, realtors, brokerage owners, if they're thinking about reaching out to the Nimble agent, it sounds like it's more than just, hey, a lead to talk to. It's a lead, an accountability partner, a systems, an education, a coaching on how to maximize that lead to actually get it to a conversion because nothing bothers me more in this world as a agency owner myself is a lead that doesn't get called. Mm -hmm. And heavens forbid, we send a lead to somebody or any, it could be solar, could be any type of campaign out there. I send the lead to somebody and that person calls back and they're like, hey, we never got a phone call back from that person you said was gonna call. It infuriates me, mm -hmm. but you're providing people a safeguard when they use the nimble agent to kind of make sure they're following up with things. Correct, and this is a bit of an awakening when I work with other agency owners when it comes to helping them with sales or helping with client success is they get into the business with really great marketing skills, but it's not enough anymore. In 2022, you have to show businesses what all the back end that needs to happen when a lead comes in the door. So there's a lot of training that has to happen with like a front desk or the person who's answering the phone and all of the follow-up that happens in between. So this is often a big point that can take an agency owner from keeping clients a couple of months to keeping clients for a couple of years. So this is one of the things that I always do. And I love when I look at different verticals and industries, I'll go online and look at like Google, I'll type in, let's say, I want to sell my house. And you have obviously your big eye buyers that have ads or your brokers or whoever, and just fill out all the forms there and watch how few people will call you back in that same day or sometimes ever at all. 
And it's, so it's like, like you said, with the p- pending and potential as it should, it needs to correct market shift. These people who don't have these technology stacks built up and these systems in place, they're really gonna be screwed. So moving to the technology stack, do you have any recommendations or anything that you can share in regards to, hey, this is what we see. If I'm a realtor and I get a new lead, but I can't get that prospect on the phone now, what type of funnel, if you don't mind sharing, what type of funnel or something can you offer as advice that they could set up to get that person on the phone? Yeah, absolutely. So I always tell my realtors that the number one CRM in the world is one that they'll actually use. So you want to choose a platform that you can have a little bit of ease of use. But what you should have is actually a year-long nurturing plan in place. And your system really should be able to identify who are your hottest leads. So a lot of CRMs can do what we kind of call mass to raise the best leads up to the top. So you can create different various trigger links like they checked out a house two times on your website or they have watched a certain video um, as well as text messaging, emails, voicemail drops um, and then also mailers as well. So you really have to hit them on all angles and then retargeting. Retargeting is the biggest thing that I see that real estate agents don't do because here's the inherent problem. There are 2.4 million realtors in North America. In the market that I'm in, there are 65,000 real estate agents in Toronto. Okay, Canada is not a big place. We do not have a lot of people. I think there's maybe a total active number of maybe over a few hundred listings in all of the GTA. So you can start to see that we have this insane disparity between the two. So if you're running any sort of online lead generation, if you are not doing retargeting, this is probably why it's not working. Because if you're not getting your face back out in front of those people, they're not likely to pick up the phone because they're being hounded by all these other real estate agents. Beautiful. So we see on average that it takes between 18 to 21 touch points to get somebody to have be excited. And this is not alone in real estate. Right. Any business across the board. And retargeting is like some of the lowest hanging fruit that you can go after because these campaigns cost like five bucks a day. And it gets yeah. you, your voice, back out in front of those people. So we do one for one of our campaigns. Uh, this is on the purchasing side of our real estate campaign. And if somebody fills out a lead, they come in through PPC and they fill out a lead, they immediately go into a retargeting remarketing campaign that's not conversion specific, but it's testimonial specific. Mm-hmm. And it'll be just display images and it'll just be somebody, uh, a customer we previously had and a quote, because what we want to do is we want to validate with social proof when they see our number pop up on the caller ID, like now is the time. And let's just be honest, it's the same reason why there's product placements inside of movies. It's psychology. Mm-hmm. We're not only sales professionals, but we're also having to be marketing professionals and we're kind of sneakily integrating our brand and our faces and 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 to drive the action that we want. So I love it. So obviously you're a marketing professional, you're a sales professional, you're an awesome person to get to know. How did you get your starting in sales? Like for somebody out there, it's like, okay, you're where they want to be, but how did you get your first like sales job? <laughs> or what was it? So I'm one of those cliche entrepreneurs who had a lemonade stand at the age of three. (laughs) Uh, My mom was also an entrepreneur, so she was very supportive of that. You remember the lemonade stand at three? Yeah. You just heard, well, you've seen pictures of it. I think she's seen But I do, I do have memories of being like five years old outside in front where we had the lemonade. They come cool. up and they buy a lemonade and then I'd present the cookies that my mom just made. Upsell. Upsell on the cookies. So even though I didn't understand average customer value at that time, <laughs> it was definitely a point of contention with me um, as, as growing up. And then through schooling, I would go to the store and I would buy the leaf bags and then I would buy them for like a buck a piece and then I'd go door to door and I'd sell them for five bucks. Or then I'd do them a deal if they took three. So like that hustler sales mentality um, has been with me since I was a, a wee little. <laughs> uh, did you go to, if you don't mind me asking, did you go to secondary? Did you go to college or did, did. you opt directly into the workforce? I, I went to college for international business with a focus on import and export. Wow. How funny is that? 
international business and you're here doing international business. Boom, <laughs> good, I love it. Okay, cool. And so one of the things I share with people, there's a lot of very, very intelligent folks that had some type of life-changing event or maybe they consciously chose not to go to college or something happened and they didn't go to college. And then I think they they relegate, and they're the people that have great charisma, they're kind of laughing always with their friends, they got cool personalities, they're joking all the time, they're on the job site, they're on the construction site, and they're busting everybody's chops. Those guys and gals who are listening to this or thinking about going into sales, I say emphatically, sales has changed my life. It has given me everything that I wanted to provide for myself and my family by studying sales, by investing in myself and sales. So we know where you're at now, but on this journey, were you like a big book reader? Did you have mentors, coaches? Like, how did you become the assassin that you are today in sales? So I definitely had to do some heavy, heavy investing into my sales ability. Once I really started to scale my company and never, not, no longer relying on referrals to build a business, and I started running paid ads and doing all kinds of outreach, and I was getting people on the phone with me who had never heard of me before, I really, really had to level up on my sales ability. So I reached out to coaches like Eli Wild, Cole Gordon, Temple Naylor, and they took me from closing at around a 20% rate up to over 60%. Wow. Um, and that was a huge, huge thing for me. And I learned a lot about the psychology of sales. I learned a lot about the understanding of getting the reps in um, and that as well as recording everything and then go back and watching the recording. You know, for those who are in sports, you know, you have your football coach, you're watching the playback over and over again. So you can see where did you mess up? Where did you do good? So that the next game that you go, you have a better understanding. So it's the same thing with sales. If you are not going back and listening to your calls, and re-watching back your recordings, you are leaving money on the table, I can guarantee. Do you have kids? I do. Okay. So one of my favorite phrases that I learned in sales, and I learned it well before I had kids, is no one likes to think they have an ugly baby. Mm. You just can't ask a mom or dad out there, like ask the whole crowd, who in here has got an ugly baby? Everybody's hands are down, because it's their creation, it's their own. And so when my mentors taught me that, this was when I was in my young 20s, is like, this is you with your pitch. If you don't think that you don't have an ugly baby, you've been in sales for two years, kid. You know, I don't need to listen to my call or I don't need to do this, but you're 100% spot on. You're lying to yourself that there's no room for improvement, significant room for improvement. And it's like, I know that you were on the sales floor yesterday, a young man was debating on whether to call somebody back and offer a price incentive, et cetera, et cetera. And he was unsure, but it's like, yo, we've been here before. We know this, it's a system and process. And once you put in the reps, as you said, you realize that it's truly a numbers game. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely a numbers game. I'm agnostic to the customer. I know that, that one more no gets me that much closer to you, to a yes and so forth. So I love it. You with the mentors, you with the coaches. Are you now kind of sharing some of that now global knowledge with other people? Or is that just part of the nimble agent? Or are you doing also coaching on your own? Yeah, so there's a multitude of things that are going on here. Obviously, I'm trying to coach my own clients that we work with on how to become better at sales when we pass over those leads, how to set the rapport, how to deal with objections, some very basic stuff. And then when I work with other agencies, we go over some very big fundamentals, but then we also get into the nitty gritty of listening to their calls, seeing if they need to work on different frameworks, but also helping them find their own sales style. Everybody has their own style that you need to figure out of what works for you. Um, so that's a little bit of, of what I do now with the sales. Were you ever a realtor? No. You just came in and dominated and saw the space and said, it, I'm gonna give leads to realtors? Mitch, it chose me, I did not choose it. So I had my very first company, I had a company called Caveman Grocer. Um, Caveman, I'm sorry? Caveman Grocer. Uh, we had that for eight years. It was a pre-made meal paleo delivery service. 
and I won an award from the local Chamber of Commerce for Business Person of the Year because I had scaled the company quite quickly through the use of Facebook ads. And it had caught the attention of quite a few business owners. And my husband was like, you should work with these people. And I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. He's like, please just say yes. And one of the very first people that was bugging me over and over again was a realtor. And then he referred, he referred, and he referred. And now we, here we are five and a half years later and I only work with realtors uh, for that specific company. Do you think that it was an advantage? I assume you would think it's an advantage or a hindrance because one of the things that I, I love is understanding the client avatar so well, not just the client of the agency owners, but where that lead's gonna ultimately go to. So did you do some diligence? Obviously you've bought homes or rented homes, the whole works, but, but what kind of diligence did you do to make sure that ultimately you were producing the right type of lead and you understood when somebody's looking in their Facebook feed and they see an ad, what copy, relentless A-B testing, like how are you as a never been a realtor delivering the best leads to realtors? So a lot of it come, I think where a lot of our advantages came was because I didn't get into it for real estate, that I came into it with a content background and understanding really great video and how to tell those stories and how do I separate my real estate client from all the other people who are running the, like, the same old tired stuff online. Mm. So I added on lead generation as an after it. So we got into it because we were really good at content marketing and making great social media. And then realtors were like, hey, like I need lead gen. So we started layering that on, but we found that we were just getting so many wins because we did focus so much on their brand, which is so important. So then for the listeners, cause I may even miss this. So you've kind of been in two parts of the real estate space, helping realtors build up their online presence, build up their own following, so that way they can have that social proof and credibility when somebody looks into them, that way they have that remarketing as people have that top of mind uh, remembrance for them. And then also you're like, oh, well, I'm just generating leads for you guys too. So it's like two whole things in one. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Beautiful. All right, cool. So what about advice? We talked about realtors, and I'm gonna keep it a little broad too for people who are considering a sales career, <laughs> but, Knowing that, you know, at the time we're recording this, even though they changed the definition, the United States is officially in a recession. Wow. And so it's been two consecutive quarters of negative growth in the United States. How is it in Canada right now? Uh, it's, we started to experience it about six months before you did. Oh, wow. Okay. So what kind of advice do you have to that guy or gal out there who is looking at potentially going into some type of sales career, maybe stopping their traditional job and going into it. Like, what, what do you think when you go back and reflect on a kid or facing that today? Um, so the advice really doesn't change whether we're in a recession or not. It's you really have to become a sales savant. You have to take this under your wing and you have to commit to daily practice. And one of the biggest takeaways that I've learned through this experience, especially just selling like to somebody, the realtor, avatar is very different across the board, right? So if you can understand when you are dealing with somebody who is a sophisticated buyer versus a non-sophisticated buyer, then you can drive home what's important to them. So for example, uh, somebody who's speaking with legato versus staccato. I get somebody on the call and I start asking them, how many transactions have you done? How many leads are you getting in the door? How many do you wanna do next year? What are your current revenue levels at? If they don't understand that or they're stuttering on their words or they don't really know, I know right away I'm dealing with a non-sophisticated buyer and I have to dig really, really deep in the intro phase of what are you trying to achieve? What are the non-monetary goals? Why haven't you got there? What have you been doing that? It's a very emotional decision that that person is gonna make versus the person that I got and was like, Yep, I want, I'm currently doing two deals a month and I really want to get to five deals. Last month I got in 100 leads and 10% of those converted into a listing appointment. 
that person I know is I just have to talk numbers. I have to logically show you that we are the right person to be dealing with. Mm. Those two very, very different yeah. conversations and how I speak to that person is kind of how we're speaking now. Yeah. I'm very confident, right? Whereas with the non, non, uh, the non-logical buyer, the emotional buyer, they're a little bit softer. We have to speak to them in a coaching frame and then very nicely call them on their bullshit when they're not making the right decision sure. for their business. I think it's even tougher to call them on their BS sometimes when they don't even know their numbers. That's one of the things that frustrates me so much when I deal with entrepreneurs that are out there that have sales organizations is they don't know the most fundamental basic KPIs. And what I always say is you can't scale an unorganized business. It's impossible. It's a house of sand or a house built on sand, excuse me. But going to what you were saying about the entrepreneurial advice for somebody considering it, I am coinciding with that. I think people also have to realize is that there's safety and a career and there's risk in an entrepreneur. And I'm so blessed that at 21, I, a couple of weeks into 21, was the last time I received a paycheck. I've been commission only for only two decades, but being commission only now in my own company, which I consider commission only as well too, but having that knowing like, hey, listen, you're gonna jump. If you wanna be successful in sales, it's not a halfway thing. It's just like you're choosing to go on a path by yourself, do your thing, but if you will embrace it and you will study it and you will learn it and you will put in the reps and you do all the things that we've discussed here, it will financially change your lives forever. Sales is the great equalizer. It, it's it's what allows people to compete at the highest levels. And you, you may be intimidated the first time that you have a conversation with a doctor or a politician, but it feels so great when you close somebody and then ultimately you grow your company to where you have people who went to these fancy colleges that work for you and all those things happen through sales. So I'm a big, big, big advocate on taking the leap if you think you have the backbone, because if you do, it'll pay off. And it's, it's a skill that'll carry you for the rest of your life where you know you will never be poor. You will never not have a job. You'll never not have a skill set that every single business in this world could benefit from. Everybody needs sales. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing I think about automation. You ain't gonna automate this pitch, baby. Mm -hmm. Like it's just not gonna happen. You're never gonna go to a kiosk and have somebody that makes those types of decisions at that, that capacity, at least not for the time that we're here. Um, cool, I love it, I love it. So for me, my big takeaways for you as an entrepreneur from Canada, here in Colombia, doing business with people in the United States, you have the Western Hemisphere on lockdown. Like, do you ever sit back real quick and just like, yeah, I'm doing it. Like, I got, <laughs> you know, no time zone, any country, my 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 passport stamped, making money everywhere. Like, it feels good. It, it feels amazing. And it's funny, I made an Instagram post about this the other day, because I get a lot of like, oh, that must be nice. And it's just like, you know what, you weren't there grinding with me at three o'clock in the morning after putting in 36 hours trying to get this launched. You weren't there when I couldn't pay myself or feed my family that week because I had to make sure that payroll was taken care of. Wow. So it's all of these like crazy crying breakdown moments that you finally get to hear where people start saying it must be nice. But yeah, it must be nice because I put the freaking work in. I love it. I remember real quick, I had a uh, ex-girlfriend and she was at my house and it was late and it was like two o'clock in the morning. I was in the spare bedroom just grinding, working out, working on a PPC campaign. And I remember she came in there and she was just like, what are you doing? Nobody does this. And she was really like being very negative and harsh. And she meant it because she wanted me to be with her and she wanted me to be focused on her and all these types of things. So I understand what she's saying, but my response was nobody, none of my competitors. I know right now there's not a single competitor, a single person in my industry right now grinding out at this time 
And so that X factor, that differentiator, that hustle muscle, um, it's so beautiful. And that's what we teach here in sales. So like you take kids from the streets who have customer service background or no service background. When you teach people sales, you're actually teaching them self-confidence. Absolutely. And having self-confidence changes your whole lives and having to, being able to have conversations with your spouses. When you're an expert in sales, and I don't know what your spouse does if he's in sales or not, but when you're in sales and somebody's not in sales, you kind of feel bad for the other person a little bit, right? Because it's like, we're going where I went for dinner. We're going to do it out. Now, you might think that you made that decision, but it's unfair, right? It's, it's funny. It's something I get as a feedback from many people within my life in close circles where they'd never want to enter anything, what they call negotiation. They don't really <laughs> realize is that it's all sales tactics. And it's funny, now that we're moving to Colombia, when I first mentioned it to my husband, he was like, absolutely not, we are not doing that. And I hope you're not watching this, babe, but we, <laughs> we slowly worked the sales process to get him to be in love with Colombia to where now he's incredibly over the moon over it. So it yeah, I love it. everywhere. Cool, well, I'm excited for you there. Uh, so one of the things I love to do in this podcast is I want to talk about a really cool sales strategy and then I want to hear a crazy sales story. And the reason why I have to sales strategy so much is not only do I want people to learn your story, but I want them to be able to take away something specific that they can then enact, right? That they can put in on their sales pitch, the very next pitch that you're on, right? So we talked about some high level stuff. Now I want to go a little bit more technical or granular. And so I wanted to talk about understanding your client avatar Right, so whether you're selling cars and somebody walks into the car lot or you're selling vacation packages and that phone rings or you're helping somebody with uh, an agency owner or realtor, the understanding the buyer is like the foundation for what you're gonna do next. And so can you walk us through like sales trading, how you're sizing up, analyzing your buyers and then executing into your pitch? Yeah, so when we're first launching an offer, you're going into a new industry, it's really important to do a little bit of an interview with different people to understand what are their needs, what are their wants, but mostly what keeps them up at night so that you can really drive forward that conversation. Oftentimes we're trying to lead people to make the correct decisions within their business, that business being with you because you know that you should be the best at what you do. So when you can understand what is the biggest things that keep them up at night and also how do they talk, what kind of lingo do they use so that they can see you as an authority. Especially if you are dealing with people who are in a, a niche where it's very saturated, you have a lot of competition or even worse if like my niche, they've been burned really badly before mm. by other agencies. You have to know when to push and when to pull back. So I love that. I'm going to tell you that I think the unique part about everybody who's in sales is you're a failure and you're still successful. And so like our closing ratio here on the floor, we hold our closers to for the particular campaign they're doing, it's no higher than one out of 20. And so they fail 19 times in a row. And as you're trying to understand your buyer, the problem is, is a lot of people will prejudge the person they're on. They think that they now know which 19 it is versus treating them all the same. Because if you treat them all the same, you're gonna understand your buyers because they all have a general theme. But you get these people who try to shortcut the shortcut. Like it's already one out of 20, bro. What else do you want? Mm -hmm. And so they give up or they give up or they give up or they give up and they're missing that conversational and people feel it too and you feel better. Like when you don't give up on the seller and you just dig in, you're digging in because you want to understand them, you feel good. That's it, that's it. I fully believe that if you do not make this decision with me today, you're either not going to be able to get the transactions that you want to do or you're going to go with my competition who is 50% of the business owner that I am. 
So it is within my duty to make sure that you close on this call today because I want to see you get to your goals. I love it. I said this in uh, an interview yesterday, but like sales is a transference of feelings. And that I felt that like that's conviction, but it's confidence and it's well-based confidence. Um, one of the things you said a second ago, I want everybody to be aware of is everybody that you speak to has been scammed by a salesperson before. So if you're a sales agent or you're thinking about going to sales, guess what? They've been scammed before by a sales agent. Not all the time, but at least once or twice or five times, right? Depending on what industry that you're in. And so for me, I think one of the best things when you're in an industry where they've been scammed or could have been scammed or you picked that up in a conversation or hesitancy is to own that objection. Mm -hmm. And so that's another little strategy is just say, hey, listen, I speak with a lot of people daily. They've really had a bad experience with other realtors before or with other timeshare salespeople before or whatever industry, solar panels people before. You know, what I've learned is this and just getting ahead of it, because when you hide these types of objections, when you hide these types of discovery questions and you don't try to understand your buyer, all you're doing is creating an objection that'll happen either if they buy and then they cancel or they're not going to tell you the real reason at the end. And so that's why I love your, your advice here about understanding the buyer deeply. Meet deals. Cool. All right. Crazy sales story, Kara. <laughs> I'm because we got Canada, we got United States, Colombia, who knows? But what's something that's like wildly, when you think back, you say, man, this wouldn't have happened in any other industry but this. Well, I don't know about any other industry, but it's funny that I find, so because I coach on both sales and client success, the two frameworks that I give them are always the exact same. So one of the things that I, I always give to our CSMs and a good salesperson understands that before you go to make an offer, you need to know everything about it because you do not want to be dealing with objections once the offer has been made. Mm. You want to understand everything. It's the same day when we go into a bad conversation with a client who is not happy about something, I have what's called the fully loaded formula. You need to know everything that happened so that you can call that client out on their bullshit because if anybody who is in lead generation, it's almost always never the leads. It's almost always the person who is working the leads and they're not doing it properly. Uh, so one time I had a client come on, he came on swearing at me, yelling at me, couldn't believe at the leads, he hadn't made an ROI on his money. Uh, throughout that conversation, I was able to call him out on his bullshit, Great. show him the leads that he had missed out. We pulled up a lead that was like a $1.3 million cash buyer that nobody ever got to. So by showing him and guiding him to making the right decisions, and then once he was a little bit happy, I identified where I even before I got on the call, I found out that his Google My Business listing had a huge opportunity. And we were dominating in a bunch of markets where we were crushing it for clients. Uh, so I actually, not only did I save the client, but I upsold him into a whole new host of services by the end of the phone call. I love it. So you called, I, I feel like you probably do that a lot. And thankfully I haven't felt the rest of it, but you're like, I called him out on his BS, called him out on his BS, called him out on his BS. Like, I, I feel like there's a little sharp, sharp knife edge there and I love it. Um, do you feel ever that, like you said, he got on the phone and started yelling. And I don't know if you were in my office earlier, but you heard me probably getting on with somebody who is a vendor too, because I felt that they did something that was an error. So I, I know that you are as well like that, but do you ever feel that somebody talks to you differently, either to the benefit or to the negative, because you are a woman owned business? Um, I, I feel that I have an advantage oftentimes because people think that because I'm a woman, I'm some delicate flower until they start to deal with me and they're like, oh shit. Um, <laughs> what I did with that client- did you hear that ladies? <laughs> I just put him in his place right away. And yeah. I am a very emotional person, but when it comes to my pocket, there is zero emotion that exists there. And I just simply told the man that if this is the way that you think that you can speak to me today, we can just hang out the conversation right now. Yeah, so our director of sales is a young lady over here. And I'm telling 
I believe in my heart of hearts, women, and this is just my opinion, can get away with more on a sales call than a man. You can say stuff like, my husband would never not purchase something like this or whatever it may be. Like women can say stuff with a smile so aggressive and so strong and a guy is going to accept it way differently than it would if it was me coming off the top ropes. It's unexpected. They're shocked. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay, cool. So you're calling clients out on their BS, but you're helping them scale and grow their business. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what you got going on currently. I'm excited for what you got going on in the future here in Columbia. I know that you're gonna make some big splashes and moves. And so if you don't follow her here in a second, I'll have her give out all of her social media points so you can follow her. But she's cooking up big stuff in this industry and other industries. I've learned a lot from you, so I'm gonna give you the gratitude that you deserve from uh, our conversations we've had so far. I'm only, this is only the second or third time I've met you in person. But I think one of the greatest things that she's done is had a really positive impact on the people that she associates with and helping them systemize their processes. And the advantage for me, who is a hardcore sales guy, is that a lot of the fluff goes to the side you can focus in on the sale. When your processes are nailed in, and this is what she does for her clients, all your tracking, all your optimization of the lead journey is done. Now you just gotta be a sales animal. Now you just gotta focus on closing. Now you gotta do what you're supposed to do, which is convert the people today. Not tomorrow, not later, I should have called them. And so I think that's what you're helping clients do tremendously. So bravo. Yeah. Cool. Kara McMaster, go ahead and give everybody outro so you guys can give her a follow today. Yeah, so if you wanna reach out to me personally and you have a business and you need help with sales or client success, best place to find me is uh, Kara McMaster on Instagram. Uh, if you're a realtor who's watching this, make sure to follow me at The Nimble Agent on TikTok. We slay TikTok, we slay it for our clients on TikTok, and we have a lot of fun over there. Cool, awesome. And then Kara, how do you spell Kara McMaster? So Kara, K-A-R-A, McMaster, M-C-M-A-S-T-E-R. Awesome. I'm very appreciative, very thankful for you coming out. Guys, I hope you enjoyed another episode of the Leads to Deals podcast. If you haven't already, absolutely go follow her, share, subscribe. We look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.